Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at GPC, we want you to know God, love people, and live sent. From wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged by this week's message. If you want to learn more about Grace Point, head over to gracepointchurch.net. And now, this week's message. Listen, about a month ago, in fact, it was a month ago this past week, about 25 elders, pastors, spouses uh, made a long journey across the parking lot to the other side of the street, Kirchie Cove, and we went on a personal tour of the uh, of the Mormon Temple, the, uh, the Latter Day Saint Temple, and it was a personal invite from the leadership, the state president, and leadership within the uh, within the LDS uh, community that we were able to come over and to go through a, a, a tour. Many of you, maybe even on your own, with friends and and so forth, went on a similar tour. I will have to say that ours took up a ratchet, uh, up a few notches whenever about a couple of days before we went, we were able, we were found out that we were actually going to be led on a tour through, through, uh, through the temple with one of the 12 apostles from Utah. And so he actually came. His name is David uh, Bednar, and he was a very personable guy and was able to share with us from the depths of all of the, the, uh, the LDS faith about their beliefs. Now, I have been a student in school and degrees and all that kind of stuff long enough that it's always better to study from the primary sources. And so it was incredibly beneficial for all of us to go through there. And they were so gracious, allowed us to ask, no question was off limits. We asked as many questions. It was about a two hour tour, uh, to be able to be, uh, to be taking through. And again, answered just about every, every question that we asked was given an answer. And I will say this in the midst of that, quick indoctrination or that quick training and learning, there were about 18 different doctrines that were discussed in that time. This is the list of them. I literally went and I've written down, okay, what did we talk about here, 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 and here? And, and, and this is not in any particular order, but this is everything that we talked about in a matter of two hours. And again, we could ask questions about the different beliefs. Now, here's the thing. These were terms that they would use. These are terms that we use. Here's the thing that I, the biggest takeaway outside of an incredibly beautiful building, outside of incredibly nice people to take us through. Here's the biggest takeaway for me is we're using the same language. We're using the same words. We're using the same, in the same sentence and context but we're using different definitions. That was the biggest thing. Whenever we got into the, and we would ask questions about a number of those, but here's, here's the one that Izzy wrote in on. I can remember where we were, and I don't remember what that room name was that when we were in the temple, but I brought up the question of atonement, that last word there. And uh, uh, the, the elder Ad, uh, Badnar was, was, was answering the questions, and, and I asked him about the atonement. Now, the atonement, for, for those in, in systematic theology, is that's how God brings us back to himself. How do we reconnect from God in this broken world in which we live? How do we reconnect with God in what, what, what it takes to get there back into a relationship with God? 
And here's what we just realized after a couple of exchanges of questions and answers back and forth. In his own words, he said, we believe differently about this topic. We're not going to agree about this topic. And that was the light that came on. It's like, we are using the same words, but we don't agree about the definition of those words. So here's where we're at today. Many of you, again, I'd like to see a show of hands. How many of y'all went on a tour through the LDS temple? Okay. Uh, A fair number of of you. And again, some did not go for personal convictions, and I totally understand that. Or maybe they didn't get the invite um, to go. But we have heard directly from one of the, one of the apostles. Uh, here I am over here in my Christian faith, and I'm realizing that we're not on the same page. Um, we're using gospel. We're using Jesus Christ. We're using uh, grace and works, but we're not defining it the same. It's the same thing, only different. And... Um, we're in this delicate balance of, I'm over here in my, and again, this is true of Catholicism, Protestantism, uh, evangelicalism, we're not saying the same thing. And so, how do we bridge this gap? Because here's what this day is not. It is not railing on, beating down our neighbors. We want to love them well. We want to understand where they are. And so how do we bridge this gap? Because I've always been in this Christian camp over here. And Elder Badnar's always been in this camp over here. So how do we bridge this gap? Well, we've invited back. We were here in November, so you can go online and you can find those messages. Uh, We've invited back Michael and Lynn Wilder. And uh, they're going to come and share uh, their experience because they've been in both camps. And they're going to help us today bridge the gap. So before they come, let's pray and let's seek the grace, the truth, the Spirit of God to lead us in this time together. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this space. We thank you for your people that you brought together today. We thank you for truth, absolute truth, and beautiful, life-giving grace. And we know, Jesus, you lived with both truth and grace. And Father, today we're not about a debate. We're not about beating down. We're about differentiating one faith from another. And how can we better love our neighbors? And so, Father, I pray for Michael and Lynn as they have lived in both worlds. And I pray that, Lord, they will help us understand how we can better love our neighbors. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you welcome Michael and Lynn back to Grace Point? Oh, thank you so much. Again, as we stated before, you never, we are bond servants. You don't clap for us. We clap for one greater than us. And let's give a hand to Jesus. Okay. Let's give a hand to the atonement. Because without the atonement, without the resurrection, we are dead in our sins. It's hopeless. Okay? So we're excited to be here. And we, we're talking to the free people of Arkansas, right? 
<laughs> we're from the free state of Florida, and we're here to help. Any questions? Okay. So, so we're excited. But that's not funny in Arkansas. That's only funny when we were in Chicago, right? That's true. That's true. And when the when the pastor said there, says yes, we need help. <laughs> so, but uh, did, anyway, did you know that Jesus Himself said, "One greater than the temple is here." That would be a a great name for a conference or something to focus on. How funny that God placed an LDS temple right across the parking lot from you. Funny? No. God, with God, there are no coincidences. This is all for a purpose, right? Because there's a pastor here with a heart for these people. But evangelizing Mormons are helping them understand where you are and when th- where they are can be a really long process. It's not something where you just share the gospel in two minutes and it's a done deal and they go, oh, wait, I was wrong, <laughs> right? This is going to take relationship. It's going to take love. It's going to take service. It's going to take kindness. And it's going to take those things long-term in a Mormon's life. I often say this. I had a mother who taught Bible study fellowship after I joined the Mormon church and left home. I can't recall a time in 30 years of being in Mormonism that one Christian ever tried to to talk to me about my faith, my God, why I went to the temple. And once I was challenged to read the Bible, I read the Bible. After 10 months, I went face down, gave my life to the Jesus of the Bible. I rose up with a little bit of an angry stage. Why didn't anybody tell me? So here you have the greatest opportunity here to form relationships and to have conversations and not just avoid these kind of conversations. They are critical conversations to have with respect and love and kindness. Yeah. I, I love the verse out front. John 1, was it, uh, 15, 12? We love one another because he loved us first. Yeah. And that's the whole concept. You're you're not going to be able to communicate with your Mormon friends if you don't show respect and understanding. Now, they have to show some respect and understanding back, but you, you really dig down. But begin by teaching truth Sometimes that can kind of maneuver people around, but you teach truth with love and kindness and then ask questions and let the word of God do the rest because we don't convert, it's the word of God that does it. There's nothing that you can run away from. God has placed these folks right here for you to love and to teach the truth to. We have lots of resources on our website, unveilingmormonism.com. This is our most popular book. Some of you may have just seen me on Ali Beth Stuckey um, right before Christmas. That kind of If you know Glenn Beck is Mormon, but many of the people that work for Blaze Studio are are Christian, and so we had a conversation there. They might want to look up. Mike and I 
Go anywhere the Lord sends us. About a month ago, we had an accident in our RV in the middle of Nevada, no phone service, and God brought a highway patrolman whose Mormon wife had just left him. He was Christian, and he was in need of our love for a couple of days. We go wherever God sends us. We yeah. thank God for passing. Yeah, we, we don't recommend driving an RV without back tires. <laughs> um, so yeah. what happened, our back tires the lug nuts became loose and they came off when you're going 55 miles an hour. It doesn't work real well. And so, yet, but, but, the, God. but God's in control and I'm, it's a miracle that we're here. Again, if you want to learn more about Mormons and get some ideas about witnessing to them, understanding who they are and what all of those words mean to them, we have a podcast. We have about 260 episodes now where we've interviewed people who have left Mormonism and come to Christian faith. Um, it is happening, yeah. believe it or not. We always begin by saying we do this out of love. The one characteristic of a Christian is that they will know us by our love. Mormons are really good at this, folks. We should be better, right? Because we have the truth that he offers. Because these things are so different and it can get so kind of convoluted in trying to figure it out, we've distilled it now to something that I think is a much simpler way to look at it. If you want to open, if you have scripture with you, open to 2 Corinthians 2. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 3, and 4, and Colossians 2. These are critical sections of scripture for Christians to understand as you're trying to witness to Mormons. So, what this scripture is about it talks about the old covenant being a covenant of death and the new covenant now being a covenant of life. And it makes this wonderful juxtaposition in scripture. It says the letter of the law kills and separates one from eternal life, but the spirit gives life. The old covenant is a covenant of condemnation, the new uh, um, of righteousness. The old is temporary. The scriptures say all those old rules, regulations, big P prophets, um, priesthood, temples, ten commandments, all the stuff from the Old Testament was temporary. When Jesus came, he brought a new covenant, and it's eternal. The old one had glory. The new one has a far exceeding glory. The old one had food restrictions. Remember the Jews couldn't eat like shellfish and certain things, pork. But the new one has no food restrictions. It says in that section of scripture, let no one judge you for eating or drinking a certain way, right? And yet, the LDS do have food restrictions. They do have temples. They do have Sabbath restrictions. There were old Sabbath laws. Now, our Sabbath rest is in Jesus Christ. Let's look at some more 
things, okay? The old covenant had temple sacrifices. Every morning and every evening, they sacrificed a lamb or a bull or whatever you could sacrifice. The whole thing pointed to Jesus. The whole thing pointed to Jesus' death on the cross once and for all. So once Jesus died on the cross and shed his own blood, there's no need for sacrifice, right? Not in that manner. Priesthood, you had to be a member of the tribe of Levi, right, to, to go in the temple, and then you had to be a literal descendant of Aaron to go into the Holy of Holies. Those were Old Testament rules. Mormons still have priesthood. Jesus sacrificed once and for all. Jesus alone is our only high priest forever. All of Hebrews is very clear about this. There's no more need for that Old Testament priesthood. Jesus is our one high priest forever, right? And then temple. But okay, this is what we're going to camp on today is the temple. Do you know that the New Testament says that we as believers are the living stones built up into a temple of God? There is no more need for a physical building, but these folks have gone back to old covenant ways and they have a temple. Their temple's nothing like the temple of old, though. That's a good question for Mormons to ask them about their temple. In the old temple, there was a veil, remember, six inches thick, that got torn when Jesus died on the cross so that we now have direct access to the Father. Well, the Mormons have put that temple veil back up. There's a veil in that temple that you physically have to go through with certain handshakes and certain words in order to pass from this life to the next. By the way, as a woman... Um, who was temple endowed as a Mormon, I was not resurrected by Jesus Christ. I was resurrected by my husband through certain words and ordinances, You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, it's, I want to camp on this just for a second uh, on, on the veil. Yeah. Okay? Because this is something that's very, very personal to me is understanding the concept of the veil. You know, in, in, the, in the Gospels, it's mentioned three times about when Jesus was hanging on the cross, where the atonement and death happened, okay? N- not in the Garden of Gethsemane, but on the cross. And it was about 3 p.m. in the afternoon when he was dying, and he cried out. And, and if you read, this is a very good verse in... The, in um, uh, Matthew uh, about this. Uh, if you turn to Matthew, um, oh, let's say 27, uh, yeah, 27, verse 49, okay? And again, this is also mentioned in Mark and Luke. John doesn't mention this because John was written many, many years afterwards, and he said it's already covered here, so he doesn't talk about the veil being ripped. Okay. You have to understand that in, in the temple, Solomon's temple, that, as Lynn mentioned, that veil was like six inches thick. It wasn't like real thin, like a cloth. A lot of people think it's that way. And they actually said that two team of ox 
oxen could not pull it apart, which means it was extremely strong, okay? And so it hung there, and it separated man from God. And only once a year did the high priest go beyond that veil on the Day of the Atonement to, to intercede for us each year, okay? And then when Jesus was hanging there, and the Pharisees and the people were mocking him in verse 49, uh, he says, uh, you know, they were saying, well, I wonder if Eliza, Eliza was going to come and save Jesus. And then it says, and Jesus cried out with a loud voice and yielded up the ghost. He died. And at that point in the next verse, it says, the temple veil, not by lightning. The temple wasn't destroyed and lightning came through it. But in the temple veil, imagine this, this thick veil was ripped into like God's hands, grabbed it and ripped it from top to bottom. And what that did for us, that gave us access to God. No longer did were we under the law. No longer did we need a prophet to speak for us because we have now one high priest who did the ultimate sacrifice to give us access to God. And that was the empirical evidence of that veil being ripped. Okay? And at the same time that was happening, we have Jesus being sacrificed, the Lamb of God on the cross. We have throughout the whole country of Israel... Thousands of lambs being crucified, preparing for the Passover. All this happening at the same time. As those lambs were dying, as the blood poured out, so did the precious blood of our Savior, Christ Jesus, poured out on the cross. And that's where the work was done for us. So all of the rules and the regulations and the food restrictions and the Sabbath restrictions all pointed to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. They all pointed to Jesus. And once Jesus came, no prophet needed to speak for him. He came and spoke for himself. He's God. And they wrote his words down, right? So if you're trying to put a prophet, like the Mormons do, between yourself and God now, when God already came down and spoke, you are dragging people back under the old covenant. Does that make sense? This is an easy way to have conversations with Mormons about new and old, and how they differ, and what was the point of all of those things in the first place. So a couple, just a couple more things, and then we'll go on to some scripture. There were divisions in the temple, right? There was a court of the women, there was a court of the Gentiles, and then once Jesus came, he said, we are all one in Christ, right? Those divisions are done away with. The Mormons certainly have restrictions about who can go in there and who can go where. We know because (laughs) I read recently where 65% of Mormons say they are worthy to enter a temple. 
It was more like 20 when we were in Mormonism 15 years ago. I don't know how accurate that is, but maybe half of the people can go in the temple and then only a percentage of the people that go into the temple can work in the temple. Mike and I worked in the Chicago temple for 10 years. We're well familiar with all of these things. what's, What's amazing is that having worked in the temple where we see in the scriptures God took down the veil. If you would go in that building next door, the Mormon leaders have put the veil back up. They have now separated man from God again. And only by receiving the proper instructions by the proper priesthood, by giving the instruction back through the veil, can you enter into the presence of God? When I worked in the veil, I used to work behind the veil as the voice of God. And when people would come up to the veil, then I would give them instructions and they would have to give me instructions back. Never much using of, the name of Jesus at that point. Much of it is Masonic. Masonic yes. tokens and handshakes and things to be able to enter through the veil to get into the celestial kingdom. So God takes the veil down. That's why I want you to understand. God takes it down and man puts it back up. And that's, again, what Lynn is saying is going back under the old covenant instead of living under the new covenant of life. But instead of directly hitting against these things with a friend, they aren't aware of this. They have no idea what the Bible teaches, right? I had no idea of any of these things. They'll say they read the Bible, but they have a very strict curriculum that's um, created by the LDS church, and you're reading through your curriculum manual, and then they'll cherry-pick a scripture in that they say supports what they're telling you. So your reading of the Bible in context and their reading of the Bible is not going to be the same. One of the best things you can do for people who are not believers is get them into the Bible, right? Um, And of course, for Mormons, they don't believe the Bible is reliable, so that's something you're going to need to have a conversation about at some point. The New Testament is very clear. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Christ fulfilled all of these things. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands. So... The whole point of all those rules and regs and the Ten Commandments were to show us that we couldn't live them and we needed a Savior. So because of our sin, Jesus lived the law perfectly, went to the cross for us, and took that record of death that stood against us because the Ten Commandments said, I had to do this, 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 and this, and I didn't live up to that. He took that debt with its legal demands and he nailed it to the cross. Now, if I accept Jesus, I get this great exchange, his righteousness 
for my faith. Yeah. You know, it, it explains this so well in Galatians. And again, I would encourage everybody to read Galatians and John and Matthew and <laughs> Luke. Yeah. And yeah. But it states here in chapter 3 of Galatians, um, and I'm, again, I'm reading from King James Version here. He um, says in verse, uh, chapter 3, verse uh, 23, says, But before faith came, before Jesus came, we were kept under the law. Okay? The old covenant. Okay? We were shut up unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster. Now, we've all, you know, thought of schoolmasters, how they're kind of rough and tough. The law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Paul's writing here says, the law is to show you your weakness and show that you're incapable of keeping it yourself, that you are lost by trying to follow the law. You will break the law all the time. But it says that we may be, to bring us into Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, after Jesus has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. We are now under the new covenant. For we are all children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you have put on baptism in Christ, have put on Christ. Yea, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male or female, for we are all one in Christ. This is the good news. This is the new covenant. Because if you have to stand there and say, I can keep the Ten Commandments. How many people keep it? No, don't raise your hand, okay? We cannot keep the Ten Commandments. And if we covenant that we do, which I used to do on the temple, I've done it hundreds of times, that I would covenant that I would keep God's law in the Bible and in the Book of Mormon and in Doctrine and Covenants. I put myself under condemnation because I made a covenant before God, angels, and these witnesses that I would keep this, I would keep the law, which is impossible to do. So we don't want people to put themselves under condemnation. We want them to be free in Christ, not free to sin, but to know that Christ has taken care of all the law for us because we're incapable. The schoolmaster is now gone. We are now under Christ. So this section in 2 Corinthians tells us that we as believers are ministers of a new covenant. It's important for you to understand what that means, what the new covenant is, and that in part of your witness, you are offering the freedom of Christ, the new covenant of grace, to people who are exhausted from trying to do all these works that God might be pleased with them. I love this one. One thing that I'll say with Mormons is sometimes when I'm in the scriptures with them and I'll bring up some of these things that hit against their doctrine, they might eventually just say to me, well, you know, I don't trust the Bible. This is my next question to them, and I promise you I've never had a Mormon say no. 
I asked them, so do you trust the words directly from the mouth of Jesus? And they always say yes. And then we have a wonderful resource where you can find the exact words of Jesus that will talk about this new covenant and show a division with some of the things that they believe. And this is, this is one of them, this Luke 16, 16. Jesus himself said the law and the prophets were until John the Baptist. After that, the good news is preached, right? So this is in this section of 2 Corinthians 2, 3, and 4, there are some hard things said about those who would try to drag you back under the old law. And here's one thing that's said in those scriptures, that they are peddlers of God's word for profit. So obviously those who would drag you back under an old covenant do not understand that the new covenant has come and that Jesus has fulfilled all these things. Now, Mormons are quite offended to have a direct conversation. So you're going to need to simply plant questions. They believe they have the only true church on the face of the earth, and so they believe they have the answers. So in our way of thinking, the best way to converse with them is to ask them questions about what they believe. And then to go to scripture and then say, but that confuses me because I think of something Jesus said in the Bible. Do you mind reading it and telling me what you think? Give them respect, make them the experts, but challenge them with some of these places where scripture hits up against their beliefs. And and you could just open the door with some really simple questions. This is <laughs> this is the LDS plan of salvation. See the gold one at the top and see the temple? They have three heavens and then at the bottom is hell. It's called outer darkness. Notice the only people that go to hell are apostates. So people who once had temple recommends and then left the Mormon church. That would be us. Christians are the blue. You're in the middle kingdom. They'll say Mormons that drink beer and Billy Graham would be in the middle kingdom. The bottom kingdom is actually like murders and whoremongers and it is a heaven. They'll say Hitler's there. But Mormons are striving to get to this top one. That's why they have a temple over there. But all these rules and regs and regs and regs and regs. They have to keep a food law. They have to pay tithing. Um, They have to hold a calling in the church. There's just a million things they need to do that are quite exhausting. And I think we're nearly out of time, aren't we? No, pastor said we could go to 12, right? (laughs) uh, Tell us, are we down to our last? What? Oh, two minutes. Well, we can finish this up in two minutes without problem. All right, there you go. You know, it's, as you can see from that graph, Mormonism can become very, very complex 
Always remember this. You know the Bible. Mormons know part of the Bible. And as Lynn was telling, use questions and the word of God and say, how do you reconcile that? Again, a good example. As we read in Matthew, God took the veil down when Jesus was on the cross. But my understanding, when I went through the temple and saw the things, you guys put the veil back up. How do you reconcile putting the veil back up with the Bible? You believe in the Bible, you accept the Bible, you hand the Bible out. Can you reconcile that for me? And that's not being mean. That's just saying, explain. Because you can't have it both ways. And one of the key things that we discovered in Mormonism is that the Bible has consistency all the way through. In Mormonism, I can take the Book of Mormon and teach you how to work to get to heaven, you have, or you are saved by grace, or you have to only have faith. I can take you all different directions. And it gets a little bit confusing in Mormonism. But, but you have to understand the word of God and understand the basics. I love when pastor put up all those words. Every, I read through them. Every one of those words has a huge different meaning in Mormonism as it does in Christianity. So when you talk to your Mormon friends, they're going to use the same words because that's the movement. That's been going on for the last 20 years of Mormonism. And I noticed there's no Moroni, angel Moroni on the temple. That's a new movement also in the LDS church. So they modify, they change, they try to integrate into Christianity, but their core beliefs are still the same. If you know us, we tend to always have way too many slides because sometimes the Spirit takes us one way and sometimes it takes us another way. Mormons are hyper-emotional people about their faith. Why aren't Christians? Why can't we bear testimony of Jesus and it brings us to tears? Why can we not dance and sing and, and thank God in our everyday life? Why do we not talk about answered prayer? I beg you to find a way to be articulate about your Jesus. He is an amazing God, and they do not have the same God, nor do they have the same gospel. And yet, God put you right here for a purpose. Um, would you like to pray, babe? Yes. Our Father in heaven, we are so thankful for this opportunity to just preach your word, to know the understanding of the old covenant and what Jesus has given us in the new covenant, to realize that it's something that we can't do ourselves, but he has done everything for us through our faith in him. Bless us now and bless the people here that they may study your word and that they may gently take it back to their Mormon friends and neighbors and ask to get a thought in their mind about, well, how do we justify this in relationship with our teachings to the Bible? Watch over us now, and we're so thankful for Pastor Mike for having us back here, for putting having faith in us in, in what we speak here. We give all glory to God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Grace Point Church Podcast. To stay up to date on all things GPC, follow us at Grace Point NWA on Facebook or Instagram. 
As you go, be people who show and share Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people. Live Sent.